Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Comerica Ballpark in Detroit. Yesterday afternoon, it was the Detroit Tigers 5, the Cleveland Indians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan. I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And unfortunately, Cleveland Indians fans, it has not been the start to the season we were all hoping for. Still no overreactions here on the Cleveland Baseball Mornings podcast. Still just regular reactions, but it hasn't been fun, has it? Right? It just hasn't. Detroit has pretty much been in control of both of these games. In fact, in fact, if you look on uh, a lot of the stats we're going to talk about today come from the Baseball Savant website. And uh, if you look at the win probability tab, literally the win probability was all in Detroit's favor yesterday. Going back to the opener on Thursday, let's take a look at that win probability for a second. For a second, when Cesar Hernandez doubled was the only time, in the first inning, was the only time that the win probability was in favor of Cleveland. Uh, and then everything after that drops to uh, drops to Detroit. So Detroit has literally been in control for the last two games against them. And it's not fun. It is not a fun way to start the season. You want a little bit of hope. You want a little bit of excitement. And so far, we haven't had much of that. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines that were happening in the game yesterday. And remember, we're gonna get we're gonna spend some time on this podcast talking about the storylines because there's so many storylines in baseball. There's storylines within at bats sometimes, right? Um, You know, you know how a pitcher is approaching that batter and the battle going on and working a full count. That's a storyline right there. So, big storylines that were standing out to me yesterday. The one thing everybody was talking about going into the game was the leadoff hitter. So, Ben Gamble gets the start in center field uh, against a righty pitcher, and they just throw him in the leadoff spot. Cesar Hernandez said that he feels more comfortable batting second. He told, at least uh, Underwood and Manning said that he told Terry Francona that, that he wants to hit second. So they're trying to find someone to hit leadoff. And is there really another option in this lineup? Not really. So Ben Gamble, his career batting in the first position in the order, batting leadoff, he's a 287 hitter for his career, uh, a 339 on base percentage. Not, not really a terrible on base percentage, a 765 OPS. Uh, for his career batting first. Being the first batter in the game, 295 batting average with a 380 on base percentage, an 835 OPS. That's actually really good. All right. So what does he do yesterday? Well, it doesn't go so well for him. He strikes out in his first at-bat. He hits into a double play in his next at-bat. He finally walks in his third at-bat. So that does give you a 333 on base percentage for the day, but unfortunately, not much win probability added there from Ben Gamble in the leadoff spot. Now, when he hit into that double play, it wouldn't have mattered if he was hitting ninth or if he was hitting first because he still would have come up after, uh, after Jimenez and he still would have been in that situation to hit in that double play. So don't blame him being the leadoff hitter on that one. 
But I get what people are saying online, right? People that, you know, the leadoff hitter is guaranteed to get the most at-bats in the game. So why are we trying to get Ben Gamble the most at-bats in the game? It probably makes more sense if Cesar Hernandez would just bite the bullet and hit leadoff and you literally shift everybody up one position in the order, right? By trying to find someone else to hit leadoff, it does lengthen the order, right? Do you feel more comfortable with Jake Bowers hitting seventh? Or do you feel more comfortable if everybody was bumped up one and Jake Bowers was hitting sixth, right? That's, I mean, so it lengthens the lineup in theory if you could find someone who can do it at the top of the lineup. Now, he said that Ahmed Rosario is going to start today. He did not say whether that was at shortstop or in center field, but he said Ahmed Rosario was going to start today. It is a left-handed starter going for the Tigers. So, Ahmed Rosario, being a right-handed bat, Jimenez is a lefty, Gamble is a lefty, so it makes sense he could start in either spot. I mean, does Terry Francona do something like start Ahmed Rosario at short, Yu Chang at first, and Jordan Luplo in center field and get all three of his righty bats in there against the lefty? Honestly, the way Terry Francona likes the lefty-ready matchups, yeah, I can see him doing that. Uh, I I don't want to see Jimenez already, you know, get a day off. I want Jimenez, to, Andres Jimenez, to stay in there. I want him to keep growing. He had a great swing in his last at bat of the game. Unfortunately, it was it, it it was right at the left fielder, Robbie Grossman. So um, we will get into that though uh, about exit velocities and expected batting averages. So I would rather see Ahmed Rosario in center field. As far as me recording this this morning, I do not know what the lineup's going to be, but. Uh, if Ahmed Rosario is in the game, he's probably going to get that leadoff spot. And career batting average, batting first in the lineup, he's a 269 hitter with a 306 on base percentage. Uh, ben Gamble actually has better career numbers as a leadoff hitter. And I know we all prefer Ahmed Rosario's bat probably to Ben Gamble's. There's a lot more potential in Ahmed Rosario's bat. Being the first batter of the game, he's a 281 hitter with a 324 on base percentage, a 782 OPS. So nothing spectacular, but seems like he can handle himself as the leadoff hitter. And just based on spring training, it just feels like there's more life in Ahmed Rosario's bat, right? There's more potential. There's more pop. So yeah, I would be ha- I would be okay with Ahmed Rosario getting as many at bats as possible, right? Being that leadoff hitter. So we'll see what position he ends up playing today, though. That's going to be the story, right? What position he ends up playing. And I get if Terry Francona is like, look, I'm not going to put him in the biggest center field in Major League Baseball. If it's not the biggest, it's definitely one of the biggest. Right? It's It's There's a lot of ground to cover out there in Comerica. So that's why he avoided starting him in the first game. He's waiting till they get back to progressive field, probably, where there's a much... Simpler to navigate center field. But I want to see Andres Jimenez get as many at-bats this season as possible. So we'll see what he does. We'll see what Francona does today. Speaking of center field, there was actually a play at the top of the game that Ben Gamble had a chance. He had a chance to make a diving catch in the first inning of the game against Castro for the, for the Tigers. And uh, Candelario had walked. Uh, on four pitches, actually, but very weird from Zach Plesak. And Plesak left what looked like maybe a changeup. 
up in the zone, up and out. Yeah, it was. A, looking at the pitch illustrator on Baseball Savant, it looks like it was a changeup. And Castro absolutely smashed it into left center field. Ben Gamble races over, dives, just, he was there. He was there, and he just couldn't find the ball with his glove. It ends up bouncing up against the wall. I think Eddie Rosario had to come over and make the throw in. They get the ball in, but not before uh, Candelario comes around to score, and Castro's in the third with a triple. Now, I tweeted this out. Would have would have uh, Bradley Zimmer or Oscar Mercado made that catch? I got to say, probably. I, from what we've seen from Bradley Zimmer and from Oscar Mercado, they both have range out there in center field. They probably do make that catch. Now, someone else pointed out to me on Twitter, they would also probably not have any hits, which, okay, I mean, maybe. Uh, they have not been very successful with the bat at the major league level, but... Yeah, we are losing a little bit in defense out there. It's a pretty it's a pretty rough outfield defensively out there. We'll see where Ben Gamble and Eddie Rosario and Josh Naylor end up on the uh on the percentile rankings by the end of the season when it comes to things like outfield jump and outfield arm and all those things. Uh, Naylor had a chance to throw somebody out at the plate uh, on a sack fly and did not seem like he got much on the throw. I do not know how how much of an arm Naylor has out there in right field. Remember, Naylor's, you know, he profiles best as a first baseman. So first basemen definitely are not known for their arms. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he has one of the weaker arms uh, in the outfield based on all the right fielders around the league. So that's our first storyline there. The next storyline, the next thing I wanted to get into was a little bit of the pitching matchup because uh, Plesak goes six innings, gives up six hits, two earned runs, two walks, costly walks, four strikeouts, uh, kept the ball in the park, no home runs given up by the Indians pitching, but was hard hit a lot. Uh, Julio Tehran goes five innings pitch for the Tigers, Four hits, only that one earned run on a solo home run by uh, Eddie Rosario. Three walks and three strikeouts. And he also was hard hit a lot. And uh, this is the situation. Yesterday we talked about how uh, Matthew Boyd earned that win, right? He earned that win for his team. On this one, Plesak gets the loss. And it's really hard to say Plesak earned this loss. He pitched pretty good. He really locked in. After he gives up these two runs in the first inning, he locks in for the next five innings and shuts them down. Even when he got into a little bit of trouble, he was painting the edges with his fastball, getting strikeouts when he needed them, and getting out of innings. So for Plesak to take this loss, this is where the wins and losses for pitchers don't really make sense anymore. In fact, Baseball Savant doesn't even have it listed on its box score. That's how much... They've given up on wins and losses and saves. They're not even listed on the box score on Baseball Savant. Now, Wickren comes in in the seventh inning, and he gets lit up. He gives up three hits, three earned runs, two walks, a terrible, terrible inning for Nick Wickren. At that point, the Indians were still down 2-1. to one. There was still a chance, but after this, I mean, it was over. The win probability buries in favor of the Tigers, and it's over for the Indians. So, 
Really, does Plesak deserve the loss? Mm, that's the way the rules of baseball go. But I feel like that probably should go to Nick Wickren, right? Um, all right. Speaking of the pitchers, let's talk a little bit about uh, their pitch mix-up. Uh, and let's talk about a new thing that all the pitching Twitter people are talking about, and that's CSW. You're going to see this on Baseball Savant. You're going to see this tweeted out, especially because Shane Bieber is one of the best at it. So all it is, it's a very simple stat. It is called strikes plus whiffs divided by, I believe, just pitches number of pitches in the game. So it shows you how good this pitcher is at getting strikes, basically. And I'll give you the example from yesterday. The example from yesterday is Shane Bieber, who I believe was leading baseball uh, the last time I saw the leaderboard for this get tweeted out. I don't know if after yesterday he's still leading baseball because the, there were some guys that were dominating yesterday. Jose Barreos for the Twins was dominating. So I don't know if Bieber is... He's, he's at the top, whether he's leading or not. He was at a 41% CSW rate. Uh, so his called strikes, he had 17 called strikes. He had 22 whiffs. He had 22 swings and misses out of his 95 pitches. So a total of 39 out of 95, which is good for a 41% CSW. So that is elite right there. Yesterday for the Indians, Plesak was only at an 18% CSW. He only had six whiffs on 47 swings. So what does that tell us? It tells us that Plesak was working but he wasn't, he wasn't, obviously without the, he doesn't have the strikeouts, right? Obviously, he only has four strikeouts as opposed to Shane Bieber, who had 12 the game before. So, yeah, so he was not, he was not getting the strikes. He was not racking up the strikes that you see in a dominant pitching performance. Now, it still worked for him yesterday. He still, it still worked. He was still able to get out of innings and get things done and make it through six pretty strong innings. But, only an 18% CSW. All right. Uh, what about for Julio Tehran? Um, I can, well, I can tell you for the Indians, the best CSW yesterday went to Trevor Steffen, who pitched the, ninth, uh, the eighth inning, and he was at 38% CSW. Out of 24 pitches, uh, nine of them were called strikes or whiffs. So he was working that strike zone a little bit better than anybody else for the Indians yesterday. Uh, Julio Tehran, actually, even though he was not throwing as hard as Plesak, uh, he actually had 24% CSW. He got seven whiffs and uh, 15 called strikes out of his 90 pitches. So actually a pretty good performance for Julio Tehran. Um, the best for the Tigers yesterday, I believe, was Fulmer. Fulmer was at 36% CSW. No, Tyler Alexander was at 38% CSW. Uh, and Garcia was at 36% CSW. So the Tigers' bullpen actually did a pretty decent job at this. So this is a stat we're going to look at from time to time to see how effective a pitcher 
was getting strikes, right? And if you're getting those strikes, if you're getting those call strikes, if you're getting those whiffs, that means you are really dominating the strike zone and you are dominating the other hitters. It didn't feel like that yesterday for the Indians pitching. It felt like they did enough to hold them into the game until Wickern came in and everything went to hell. So uh, that was the next storyline that I found in this game. And the last one that we're going to talk about is exit velocity. Uh, Exit velocity is a big stat right now. It's something that... um, it's something that they talk a lot about in spring training, right? When they're saying like, oh, yeah, Jake Bowers, you know, he doesn't have a high batting average, but he's putting good swings on the ball. They're talking about exit velocity, right? He's got a good exit velocity, and uh, we think that's going to translate into the season. Well, it didn't translate yesterday because the Indians of the top seven exit velocities in the game all over 106 miles per hour exit velocity, which is a ball that is crushed, which is a ball that is tattooed or whatever term you want to throw at it. Of the top seven, the Indians have six of those top seven. Uh, Wilson Ramos actually has the hardest hit ball of the day, 110.6 mile per hour exit velocity on a single off of Zach Plesak in the sixth inning. Uh, The other thing tied to this that StatCast measures is expected batting average. So on the single, the expected batting average was a 9-10, basically guaranteeing that that is going to be a hit. If you hit it that hard at that launch angle, at that distance, chances are you've got a a 91% chance of that being a hit. The next six all go to Cleveland Indians hitters. And guess what? Only one of them goes for a hit. Eddie Rosario's home run had 108.4 mile per hour exit velocity. It's a 990 expected batting average, a 99% expected batting average, which means there's probably one ballpark in the country that has the right dimensions where a, where a right fielder might be able to leap and steal that for a home run. It was a 383-foot home run. So, uh, yeah, 99% that that's a hit. So that's that's how the expected batting average works. Jake Bowers had the second hardest hit. His lineout in the fourth inning was 110.1 miles per hour. It has an 890 expected batting average. It has an 89% chance of being a hit. Well, it was not yesterday. It was a lineout. Vermeil Reyes, 108, grounding into a double play. Jose Ramirez, 107, with a ground out in the sixth. Cesar Hernandez flying out in the first inning, 106. I believe that was the deep center. Yeah, 406 feet. It has a, Cesar Hernandez's flyout had a 980 expected batting average. 98% chance. If that is in progressive field, if it's not a home run, it is at least off the wall in center field. Instead, it's in Detroit and it's a flyout. Uh, and then Ben Gamble, he grounded into a double play in the third inning, and he had 106 uh, exit velocity. So you can't say the Indians hitters weren't hitting the ball yesterday. They were they were hitting things really hard. Most of these are off of Julio Tehran. They were getting some really hard hit balls, some balls with some insane probability of being hits, and it just doesn't work out that way. So 
that was the other storyline that I found in this game. And we'll see if that translates today. If they could keep it going today. And if some of these hard hit balls actually start dropping in. All right. Let's dig back into the traditional box score here for the Indians. Uh, looking for an MVP for the day. And this is something we're going to do every day, right? It's it's something fun to kind of highlight who was the top performer you know, in hockey, they do their three stars. So here on uh, on Cleveland Baseball Mornings, we're going to name our MVP for the day. And I got to go with the only one who really performed on offense yesterday was Eddie Rosario. He has the big home run that came in the second inning. It answered the two runs that Detroit put up. So that's nice to see us answer, at least, Detroit putting up some runs with a run of our own. In fact, every time Detroit scored, we answered. It just wasn't enough. Uh, when they scored three in the bottom of the seventh, we did answer with one in the eighth. Also, thanks to Eddie Rosario, who hit a sack fly to center field to bring in a run. So he has two RBIs on the day, and he also walked twice. I mean, at that point, after he hit that first home run, it seemed like they didn't want to pitch to him again. They were basically pitching around him. So... Eddie Rosario, MVP for the day, his first home run as a Cleveland Indian, and uh, it was nice to see. He took a uh, maybe a sinker or something like that from Tehran that was up. It was a pitch that was up. It was a pitch that came in at 89.5 miles per hour and just up middle of the zone, and he cranked it out to right field. So, Eddie Rosario, you get MVP for the day for that performance. Uh, a few hits sprinkled for everybody else. Uh, Cesar Hernandez was once again on base twice yesterday. He had a hit and a walk. Uh, his on-base percentage continues. We all know Cesar Hernandez last year said that it was his goal to be on base twice a game. And it's something that we paid attention to last season. And it's something we're going to pay attention to this year. Because, I mean, that's what makes Cesar Hernandez so good as that top-of-the-order as a second baseman, is his ability, he's going to get on base. He's going to do the little things. He probably should have had a hit. Uh, he probably should have had a hit to that deep center field shot. So, uh, yeah, he, he had a pretty high probability of being on base a bunch of times yesterday. That's why everyone wants to see him hit leadoff, right? He's a guy that gets on base. It makes sense. If he would agree to it, it makes sense for him to be the leadoff hitter on this team. It also, in theory, gets Jose Ramirez up more, gets Eddie Rosario up more. The higher you are in the order, the more chances you have to bat. So, yeah, that's uh, that's really all we got in the box score offensively. Like I said, for the pitching, it wasn't good. Mayton does come in and get out of the seventh inning. And then Trevor Steffen makes his Major League debut. He's got two strikeouts, a walk, and a hit. He got into a little bit of trouble, but the strikeouts were there. I think Stefan is a guy that we're going to be excited to have around for uh, for our bullpen and for the Cleveland Indians. Um, all right, there's other things going on around Major League Baseball yesterday. It was a weird day around Major League Baseball. Uh, you got to give it up to uh, to the Chicago White Sox uh, new rookie, your mean Mercedes. The guy starts his Major League career going eight for eight. And these were not seeing eye grounders. He smoked some balls. He had a home run. He had a double into the gap in left center field. Um, 
he was just going off on Angels pitching. I think he finally popped up to end it. But yeah, eight for eight to start his career. He's an older rookie. Um, I think they said on the broadcast he was 27 or 28 maybe. But yeah, it's the longest streak to start the season, I believe, uh, at least in recent history, at least in the expansion in the expansion era. Uh, Chris Steins had seven uh, in 1997. So yeah, so uh, pretty impressive there for the White Sox. There were some not so impressive things yesterday from the White Sox, including Luis Robert who came in from center field, called off Tim Anderson, and then had a pop-up pop up bounce off his head. That was not so pretty for the White Sox. The White Sox actually are 1-2 and two to start the season, so uh, things are not going so well for the White Sox. Uh, pretty embarrassing play for Robert. He just doesn't get – he calls it. He's seeing it. He's running in on it. He calls off Anderson. He just doesn't get the glove up there. It's it's a pretty strange play, and it just smacks right off the White Sox logo on his hat. Uh, other things going on in baseball yesterday. There were twin no-hit bids, and coincidentally, the Twins game. The Twins Brewers, uh, it was Jose Barrios pitching for the Twins. It was Corbin Burns pitching for the Brewers, and both of them had no-hit bids going into the seventh. It's finally broken up for the Twins by uh, by Byron Buxton hitting a home run to deep center field, one of the hardest hit balls of the day yesterday. And that breaks it up for the Twins, gets the Twins on the board. Eventually, the Brewers, they actually take Berrios out of the game, I believe after six innings. The bullpen's able to hang on for one more inning to the no-hitter. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the Brewers were finally able to get to the Twins' bullpen and get a hit down. Um, who actually ended up winning this game? The Twins do end up winning the game 2-0. So uh, some no-hit bids, twin no-hit bids going in the Twins' game. And then the last strange thing from yesterday is uh, a Dodgers rookie, Zach McKinstry, ends up hitting his first home run of his career. Well, I should say the first home run of his career actually gets robbed. It gets robbed by left fielder Ramel Tapia for the uh, Colorado Rockies. He actually jumps up, is able to pull the ball back. I mean, reaches over the wall and pulls the ball back, but he can't keep it in his glove. He ends up throwing it back into the field with his glove, but he knocks himself silly against the wall it can't recover the ball, and McKinstry just keeps running. So he does end up with his first career Major League home run, except instead of an over-the-wall home run, it's an in-the-park home run. So, I mean, bizarre things just happening in baseball yesterday. Yeah, the White Sox are 1-2 and two to start the season. The Detroit Tigers and the Kansas City Royals are leading the Central Division 2-0. Baltimore Orioles are 2-0 to start this season. Guess who got the win yesterday for the Baltimore Orioles? That's right, former Cleveland Indian Adam Plutko comes in in long relief after Matt Harvey and uh, ends up going, I think, two and two-thirds maybe, over two innings, and gets the win for the Baltimore Orioles. So, yeah, so uh, lots of stuff going on in baseball yesterday. All right, we're doing it again today. It's another day game. That's right. I hope you're listening to this podcast while you're eating your breakfast, maybe having a little Sunday brunch. 
because we are doing it again with the Tigers at one o'clock. It's going to be Savali on the mound, who's look. I think he looks sharp in his last few outings. So we'll see. He's going against Scooble, a left-hander for the Tigers. So look for Francona to get as many of those right-handed bats in the lineup. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final yesterday from Detroit. It was the Tigers 5, the Indians 2. We'll be back tomorrow morning to see how Aaron Savali does. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can actually leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>